Hey Coconuts, today in TFC Stock Geek Up, we're going to focus on a very interesting but complicated company. They are in the space of digital security and for all of you that have been asking, we are finally going to talk about this company. They have revolutionized the way we do endpoint digital security and they are not foreign company. Everyone knows about them, right? So the share price is already very, very high. So I think today we're going to try our very best to understand the product, understand their business, understand where they are trying to go towards and, you know, figure out is this a company in our portfolio? So joining me today to geek out on this digital security company, CrowdStrike. Okay, the one that you've been asking for. Everybody's talking about it. Very, very popular company now. And the guy I'm going to geek out with today is Thomas Chua from SteadyCompounding.com. Regular on the show. And it's always has very, very good insights for us. But today, I think we're going to focus a little bit on the product and how has the market shift? How has the old generation of security companies changed, you know, to lose market share very quickly to the new age companies, right? And CrowdStrike is really focusing on the end-to-end -end security. So your laptop, your digital devices but they have grown so much and if you try to understand them as a product it's really a software product All right so that's where i think for more of us we can start there because you know not many of us understand security and today we're going to figure out where is their business what is their business strategy and can they continue to grow despite the high share price for your reference sake, this episode was recorded on the 16th of December 2021. It does not serve as any form of recommendation or suggestion for you to buy any stock. It's only for education and entertainment purposes only. Thank you for loving what we do and empowering us financially to do more for you. So let's geek up. Okay, we are back again today uh, with uh, Legendary. <laughs> Thomas, how have you been? I'm good, I'm good. Uh, it's been a while since I came on Financial Coconuts. Uh, yeah. yeah, so so I'm sure we are going to have a good time today. Yes. Like I, I remember when I did the poll on CrowdStrike um, or some other companies, CrowdStrike is always the number one companies that uh, my readers want me to cover. Mm. And, and so excited to do this today. Yes, but it is a very complicated cover, right? I mean, the media has, yeah. a, has a lot of coverage for it, but the media coverage is always very sensational. Right? But when you're trying to right. study as a business, I think CrowdStrike is not exactly an easy company to talk about. Right. Um, maybe to lay the ground for our listeners, right? Uh, maybe you could share with us a little bit of how should we understand cybersecurity, you know, as a big arc in itself. I think um, when it comes to cybersecurity, there's multiple aspects to it, right? And the aspect that CrowdStrike is trying to target is really endpoint security, right? Um, endpoint security is one of them. Then there's another aspect which is called identity management. And the final aspect is when it comes to protecting the internet, when we are trying to do your data transfer, etc. So the leaders in this field, like CrowdStrike is in endpoint, then Okta is in identity protection. And lastly, Zscaler is trying to protect you when you're transferring your data across a device to another device. So cybersecurity itself encapsulates largely these three aspects. The thing about companies within this aspect right, is they are able to integrate with one another using APIs, right? But for today, our focus, I guess we are going to focus just on endpoint security. And when it comes to endpoint security, um, we are referring to our devices, which is our laptops, smartphones, 
for example, right? This kind of protection. And it has become increasingly relevant in this time whereby a lot of people are working from home, right? In the past, whereby everything is on-prem, and when we say on-prem, we are referring to everybody is working inside a building, you know? <laughs> the building will be secured by a firewall. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, you bring the laptop out already, cannot work already. So, eh? Why? why? Yeah. <laughs> And yeah, I'm sure like if we work in government organizations, uh, we know like uh, all the intranet stuff you cannot yes. bring out, right? But yes. nowadays, everything also needs to take out. And that's where the endpoint device, which is our laptops, become extremely vulnerable. And this is where CrowdStrike comes in because the legacy players are not able to do a very good job at it. And when I say legacy players, I'm referring to our McAfee, um, Symantec, uh, Norton antivirus, right? Mm. <laughs> um, and there's a very good reason for this. George Kurtz, he used to be the CTO of McAfee, right? And the reason why he started CrowdStrike in the first place was because he was very embarrassed when he was boarding on a flight. He saw one of the customer of McAfee having to update the laptop for 15 minutes first before being able to use. And those of us who have been through army, you use the computer before, you know like you turn on the computer, you need to run for 30 minutes, you go and drink your kopi, then you come back, right? Um, anybody who used that computer, you will know like it's, it's frustrating as hell. Um, and the reason why is because these legacy players, right, they use signature-based protection. Signature-based protection, it means that it is only able to detect a virus only if it has happened before. And mm. the thing about this is this signature base, right, once they record it into your endpoint onto your laptop, it takes up a lot of space. So for example, CrowdStrike, it uses a lightweight agent, which is just 35 MB. But when we are talking about these legacy players, when they always keep pushing the updates into your computer, those updates are stored in your computer. It takes up to about 4 gigabyte just alone in your computer, right? And when they're doing this scanning, they're scanning one file by one file. And that takes up a lot of processing power, especially for the older computers, they are not able to handle it very well, right? Which is why a lot of these older computers with very poor CPUs, they are super lag. Yes, yes. And, and so the problem with this signature base is as long as the hacker changed one line of code, these legacy players will no longer be able to recognize this virus. And a lot of this um, Symantec antivirus, for example, right, um, which is what a lot of organizations, the, the legacy <laughs> organization uses, right? Yeah. It is on-prem, right? Especially when it comes to certain organization that likes to keep everything offline, right? Um, the thing about this is when one organization gets attacked by a certain virus, it is not able to immediately let all the other computers know that this virus exists. As compared to, you know, this next generation antivirus software like CrowdStrike, when everything is on the cloud, if something were to happen in America today, just one computer, all the other computer will immediately get the protection, right? Because mm -hmm. it's able to instantaneously let all the endpoints get secured that way. So when it comes to these legacy players, they are unable to do that. And, you know, there was a cybersecurity report that says that the success rate of protecting these computers is just 40%. That means the industry benchmark, they expect 60% of the time for these computers to be unprotected. So there's a certain um, level of despair when it comes to the state of cybersecurity, mm. um, especially when cryptocurrencies get invested. Now, a lot of the listeners may wonder, why crypto got to do with cybersecurity, right? But the thing is, um, nowadays, we don't have just software as a service. We also have something called ransomware as a service. Yes. Meaning <laughs> these hackers are around, right? And you're mm -hmm. able to engage a hacker 
to hack into a company, extort them for payments in the form of cryptocurrencies because it's harder to track that way. So with the invention of cryptocurrency, while it is a great piece of technology, it also gives problems, right? Because it makes the hacking uh, so-called industry yeah, mm. much more incentivized and they grow much bigger that way. And when you look at a lot of the hacks in this recent two to three years, like Honda got hacked, asked for 20 million. You know, and you must pay, right? Because they hold your service hostage, right? They will not release your service unless you pay this amount. And there's a lot of organizations having to pay millions and millions of dollars. Mm. So cybersecurity is something that's super important, right? And customers are willing to pay. It is not something whereby you go for the cheapest and hope for the best, right? Because <laughs> the I mean, when you run a small company, when you're an SME, you, you know, a few people mm. do it, you, you will not feel the need as much, right? You Every time they ask you to optimize something, add some layer, you'll be like, huh, wait some more. So expensive, right? But when you run that kind of, like like what you say, Honda, right? Or like, mm. like Sing Health or like <laughs> some of the very, very big... <laughs> <laughs> some of the very big organization even a downtime of one day you just think about everybody's wages you add together you know and, and all the operations that cannot work is very very crazy you know a few hours is quite a thing um, but I get what you're saying and I, I kind of see a little bit of the advantage you know but I can tell there's a lot of things to break down let's start with the most simple one okay can you help me expand on what is a virus <laughs> Because I think I think um, that is extremely important, right? It's a malicious code, right? So I I, I think that's kind of... Uh, give me a, a bit of clarity there and then how do we protect from there? Yeah, so it is basically a malicious software, you know, that try to hack into your computer, sometimes to steal data. Sometimes it could shut down the entire server, you know. And it is just really, really detrimental to companies, especially when, you know, your employees... They may not know that that file is malicious. They just click it and then it just latches onto your server after that. You know, there's a lot of points whereby they could intrude into your server. And if they just come in and latch or set themselves onto your databases, onto your server, and the impact will not be just limited to just one computer. It will be through the entire organization. And yeah, and, and so that's basically what a, what a virus does. Okay, okay, fair. So then with that in mind, a lot of people, when they talk about the traditional antivirus or the traditional cybersecurity, how does that then solve it? Because I, I think that's the basis that we begin with. Yeah. Yeah, so the thing about the software of the past, like McAfee and Symantec, is what they do is they are constantly running in the background of your computer. Mm. And they'll go through each individual file. And each individual file, there's a line of code, you know, and they'll try and match this code to the code of the viruses that were previously found. And if it matches, then that's where they'll quarantine and remove it. Um, but that's very proactive, right? Um, mm. That means there must be something that happened, then you will start to remove it. What the new generation of software, uh, antivirus software provider does is they have this AI module, you know, that's embedded into the cloud. And if they are able to detect a software that's acting suspiciously, immediately they'll quarantine. Like for example, if your Excel file starts to scan your, your <laughs> other documents, then, then the CrowdStrike mm. software will start to ask, like, why is an Excel file scanning other files, right? Mm. Then immediately they'll quarantine. Yeah, so through that kind of learning, and because when it's connected to a cloud, machine learning allows it 
to understand what are the patterns of viruses so it's able to keep up with the development of how hackers are doing things over time. You know, last time they used to just plant an EXE file, you know, but then it become more and more complicated. Like, you know, like um, you're able to download an Excel file and then within the Excel file, there's embedded viruses inside. So it is this new type of players that's able to keep up with the trend in time for them to be proactive rather than reactive. So I hear you on that. So essentially what I'm hearing is that the old kind of softwares, they are very reactive. Essentially, something must have happened and shit hits a fence already and they realize, okay, this is a problem. They will essentially take this recognition and try to go and scan every single piece of software within your computer to then find these things and quarantine it. Essentially, that's the, the old way. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. And also the mm. old way, right? A lot of this software, they function in silos. Meaning like when one virus is detected, it's only within that organization perhaps, right? Because some organization may choose not to share data. But when it comes to CrowdStrike, because everything is on the cloud, um, just to be clear, it's not sharing the data of the clients, but it's really sharing the data of these viruses. And they call this the track graph, um, which gets more powerful the more scale they have, right? Yes. Because when there's more... Network uh, effect... <laughs> <laughs> exactly, right. Very, very overused term, but I, yeah, I think yeah, that's the like, exact the term. Yes, yes, there's, there's no better word for it, right? The, yes, yeah, so yes. the track graph, the more users they have, the more data they collect, the better mm. they are at detecting viruses. And, and that really makes them advantageous when it compared to other new generation of antivirus software. Because it's, it's just not enough that you're on cloud, but you must also be extremely good at detecting viruses. And the track graph and their large pool of existing base of customers allow them to have an edge above other competitors when it comes to uh, protecting other consumers. I get it, I get it. The more people use you, the more data set you get. And if something happened in like far-flung part of the world and then, you know, the whole ecosystem will recognize it and then everybody can prepare for it. Essentially makes it a lot faster and lighter. Okay, that's that's good. Um, so then when we're trying to understand this company, what are some of the core products that we should learn to understand um, for CrowdStrike? I think they started off their IPO with just 10 modules, right? And... The good thing about this company is that they are able to develop modules over time because they're on cloud and based on what their customers are saying, you know, then that's where they will deploy more modules, more product offerings to their clients over time. And right now, I believe they have about 18 modules and that's where they are really one of the best in terms of the land and expense strategy, right? This, most of the clients, they start off with just one or two modules, which is really just the basic protecting the endpoint. Then subsequently, if they want to load on more modules, 18 of them, you know, you can just deploy them instantaneously, depending on the size or the nature of your work. If you need more complex cybersecurity protection, then that's where you start deploying more of these modules. And over time, we are able to see that a lot of their clients are deploying more and more modules over time. So when we look at like year 2017, for example, you know, the number of companies with more than four modules is 0%. But by 2018, we see that, you know, there's 30% with more than four modules. And by today, the latest quarter, that number is above 65%. So actually, most of their customers, they actually start to adopt more and more of their modules over time. And this is really the beauty of a SaaS company, right? Because the largest cost that you have is when you first onboard a customer, when you help them mm. install. 
And subsequently, when you help them install more modules, a lot of that cost is diminishes. And the incremental revenue that you're getting in from that, you know, is pure profit. Which is why when we see once they hit a certain scale, right, they went from losing money to gushing with free cash flow incredibly quickly. Yeah, I hear you on this. I know the model is a SaaS model, but I don't know if you can still call them a SaaS company, right? They have a very different lick of its own, at least from what people think of SaaS companies, right? So these guys do a, a very different job. But I get what you're saying. Essentially, they create all these code packs, you know, based on the latest threats out there. And then you, if you want to do more, you buy more and based on the kind of security level that you need, right? Which is why the whole land and expand situation, you acquire the customer and then you keep expanding, expanding over time. Okay, so I think for a lot of people listening, if you don't understand cybersecurity, it's okay. You know, I, I get it. It's not exactly the easiest thing to understand. But as a business model, maybe you can kind of walk us through uh, their business model. Um, who are their kind of customers? What is the kind of growth rate that we're looking at for them? Yeah, so one thing CrowdStrike does extremely well is lending big customers, right? So out of the Fortune 100 companies, the 100 largest companies, right, they have more than 60% of those companies mm. as their client. And, and it really sends a really strong message that they have a reliable product. Because yes. um, the truth is when it comes to a complicated product like cybersecurity, when it comes to how management makes decisions, they are likely going to refer to how other big players are making decisions. And so having a lot of big companies endorse their product, you know, it looks really good for them and it has a trickle-down effect when it comes to how other businesses want to adopt their product. So the way they do their business is when a big customer wants to adopt their product, a sales rep will go down. And the difference between CrowdStrike and the legacy players is legacy players, usually it will take about one to two months for them to fully secure the whole company parameter, right? Because they have to install every computer, make sure everything is synced up. But when it comes to cloud, right, it's able to deploy over thousands of devices just over a weekend. And that wow. is just how fast they are. And it is really important for a SaaS company to have a short time to value. Meaning from the day you land a contract to how fast can you start making that money. Right. When we talk about some other companies, for example, let's say they do a subscription service, but for a point of sale. Right. You have to install the machine there. You know, and each restaurant, for example, is going to take a very long time. So even though you have a huge contract, you know, you're not able to monetize them as quickly. But for mm. companies like the one that's fastest is definitely Zoom, right? You mm. don't even have sales rep. People just go online, immediately subscribe. But when it comes to cybersecurity, CrowdStrike is one of the fastest with the shortest time to value. And the nature of this industry, right, is usually customers will sign a one to three year contract. So this is where the opportunity for CrowdStrike comes in also. Because as the legacy players, as their contract starts to expire, CrowdStrike is doing a lot of very targeted marketing to these folks offering discounts, right? Like if you stop using the legacy player, come out here, you know, I'll, I'll give you a discount to start, you know, and this is really how they try and attract a lot of customers. And when we just want to take a look at how big the market is for CrowdStrike, they currently only have a few thousand customers. The legacy players have hundreds of thousands of these enterprise customers that's just waiting to get out. Right, and when you look at the trend, <laughs> contract over, tell everybody. Job. Right, because it's, the value proposition is just so drastic, right? Yeah, in terms yeah, of quality of security, in terms of mm. how fast Deployment. your computer is able to run, 
etc. And, and so when we look at the legacy players, they have just been losing market share since 2016. 2016, they had 79% market share. And the latest data that I got um, from a report was that by 2019, um, they went from 79% all the way down to 46%. And wow. a lot of this market share is just being taken up by these next generation players at Microsoft, right? Microsoft is a leak on itself just because um, they're the king of land and expand. Everybody is using their operating system. So it's yes. easier to sell. But the thing with Microsoft is that the security is not the best. And which is why a lot of the Fortune 100 companies actually choose other players like CrowdStrike, for example, rather than to go with Microsoft. Because in recent years, we have seen a lot of breaches on Microsoft end. So confidence is not exactly very high for Microsoft um, security products. Which is a big risk factor, right? Even for CrowdStrike, right? If some shit happens somewhere, this share price is going to get beaten up down left, right? You yeah, know, uh. um, and that, that's a good point. And also cybersecurity is a very, very fast-moving industry. So yes. investors who choose to invest in CrowdStrike, you have to follow the industry quite closely. Right. There's another competitor, Sentinel-1, that's coming up extremely quickly. And CrowdStrike and Sentinel-1, they like to criticize each other, you know, that they have, they have their own superior technology. But um, from what I can see, their technology is actually very similar. But um, <laughs> when I look at the venture capital market, all those that, are, that hasn't IPO'd yet, a lot of them are coming up with really, really creative technologies. So CrowdStrike, is they have the first mover advantage in terms of their distribution power, reputation, right? Because just like when you choose a surgeon, you don't want to choose a new surgeon, right? Because it's mission critical. And so CrowdStrike um, cybersecurity is also mission critical. And so people like someone with a reputation, with a proven track record, and their database and etc. you know, strong distribution power. And, and so they have a lick up that way, but investors cannot dismiss the idea that, you know, something new, something better, drastically better could come up and, you know, just disrupt the industry altogether. For sure. And I think the whole onboarding time, that part, I think is extremely important. For a lot of people that don't recognize the complexity of uh, deploying enterprise level software, <laughs> you, you don't understand, uh, right? People take three-year project, you know, to de-paper, you know, like paperless, go paperless, need five years, uh, right? So, so wow. you know, it sounds like uh, you're it, talking about some organization. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> of course, we got some friends that work here and there. And I'm like, wow, this is a five-year project? Oh, yeah, yeah, go paperless. It's like, yeah, rubbish. Right. Okay, anyway, anyway. So, so <laughs> and there, there are a lot of those uh, deployment, you know, new technology, new systems. And, and to be able to deploy in a short period of time, I think, and with such a light, you know, weight, I think that's uh, pretty interesting. Okay. So then how's the business growing then, you know, from a revenue standpoint, like what are their numbers and, you know, what are some core things that we should, we should understand, you know, when trying to understand this company from a financial level? Yeah. So from a financial level, right, they are just growing super, super fast. So for example, um, in 2017, their revenue is only 52 million, right? And in the latest 2021 annual earnings, it actually came all the way up to 875 million, right? From 52 all the way to 875. This is just a testament to how fast they are able to deploy their technology and how big a tailwind they are sitting, right? Because customers are coming to them. Um, their sales rep don't really have to push really, really hard also. Because just because once the legacy player, their contract are up, if 
those companies are on cloud, they'll want to look for these next-gen providers. I, I would think that most people who choose to use legacy providers, most of them are on-prem companies refusing to go mm. onto the cloud. And when we look at the revenue mix, right, we are able to see that the subscription services is becoming a bigger, bigger portion. They have largely two revenue streams. One is from subscription of these cybersecurity modules, and the second revenue stream is from professional services. Professional services is when shit hits the fence, right? And they need um, <laughs> these companies, they need somebody to come in and troubleshoot and rescue them. The margins for these professional services is around 70%, right? And when you look at this subscription revenue, it's above 85%. But these professional services are extremely important because they are like a funnel, right? When these companies on another competitor's product, when something happens to cybersecurity, that's where they look for the best in the industry to come and rescue their service. And usually when they go to CrowdStrike, they don't make the most money out of this. But once you rescue their service, you know, they have a lot of confidence in you. And that's where they turn themselves into subscribers to give you that very recurring revenue. So when we look at the revenue mix, right, in 2017, when they first IPO, subscription was about 72%, and professional services is about 28%. And when we look at the revenue mix today, subscription is 92%, and, you know, professional wow. is 8%. And it is not because professional services is shrinking. It actually went up from 15 million all the way to 70 million this year mm. but it's a very good converter of clients right and this client they will not just show up in year 2017 it will show up every single year for as long as their customer which is why we will start seeing like subscription revenue becoming a higher and higher figure for CrowdStrike which is a really really good thing right because high margins super sticky yeah and I think I'm seeing margins expand you know uh, over the years and also you know, S&M, sales and marketing expense coming down, right? So I think that that's a very good sign, classic good sign of a company that has created a great product, you know, that you don't need to spend a lot of effort for people to kind of pick up, right? So I think those are those are pretty cool, right? So how will you then rate this management as a company, you know, like how are their leaders like and what are some core people that we should be aware of? I think the core guy to be aware of is definitely George Kurtz, right? Um, he has a very high rating on Glassdoor which I used to take it for granted until I, I saw the recent Singapore tech company saga. I mean, if you know what I mean, right? The <laughs> rating's not exactly very high. And, you know, the people start to share that working in a Singapore tech company, um, not exactly a very pleasant experience. But um, yeah, so for George Kurtz, right? Um, his rating, like out of 10, I believe is around 9.2 or something like that. It's almost very close to full mark. So he's able to get the company to come behind him. And he's an extremely competitive individual. Every single earnings call, he will be talking about his competitors and why his products is better. So, so you know that this is a guy who's not resting on his laurels even after he's the industry leader because he's just extremely competitive that way. Every single talk he goes to, right, he will set aside a huge segment to pitch about why CrowdStrike is the best. You know, and it's hard to get someone who's both good in the technical aspect of cybersecurity and yet he's also very good at selling. You know, when we look at a lot yes. of companies like Fastly, for example, good product, but the founder not exactly that great at selling. So you have very this nice combination of having a very good salesman and a very good technical CEO at the same time, you know. And just to give some background, like he's not just the CTO 
of McAfee last time, chief technology officer. So he looked after the whole infrastructure. He also written a few textbooks on cybersecurity. So he's one of the leading person to go to, one of the leading experts to go to when it comes to cybersecurity. So, so we got a very nice mesh up of good salesman, charismatic and competitive and yet know his technical stuff. Leading researcher. Yes. <laughs> Important, right? I mean, if you want to be in this space, right? as with any other very, very technical spaces, right? I think, what are some of the other? Like ASML, super technical company. Right. Right, so the, the founders are extremely important. Do you think that's a key man risk, you know, with someone like that so important? Everything centralized around him. Definitely there's a key man risk here, but I, I don't think it's that bad because okay. for a company like CrowdStrike, there's a stickiness to its product, right? Um the key man risk comes with how fast, you know, or I wouldn't say how innovative they are coming up with their product because a lot of these new products that they are deploying mainly come from their R&D team. They do a lot of data study, talking to customers to find out what they want. So, so I believe the culture is there already. But for someone new to start a cybersecurity firm, like I, I, it's, it's hard to think of someone else who can do it better than Jock Kurtz. So I, I think they are at a scale right now whereby they are not as vulnerable as in the past, right? If they are in the early stage, like 2014, 2015, I would say the key man risk is much, much bigger. But for now, they are at a size whereby, you know, the organization culture is in place, the team is in place to take over if good. things happen. Good to know, good to know. And we see that in their reports, they, they suggest, you know, their total addressable market, their TAM, you know, I know these days people just call it TAM. Right. You know? <laughs> their TAM is growing and growing all right, since IPO time. So how should we envision this company, you know, on top of their business that they will keep acquiring all the customers within this space? Where are they leading, you know, this game of cybersecurity? Yeah, so I think growth in the future will come from a few aspects. They are quite mature in the U.S., in terms of the newer generation of endpoint security, but there remains a really, really large market available outside of US. Then apart from endpoint security, right, they are also increasingly moving towards cloud workload protection, which is really to just protect everything on the cloud. No longer just your endpoint devices, which is just your laptop. And there's another research put up by an independent third party whereby it says that most companies are spending about 1% of their IT budget on security, but that number is actually expected to slowly move up to 5%, just wow. simply because a lot of companies are slowly uh, moving towards cloud. A lot of it has happened already, but the trend is expected to continue to persist over time because it's just lower cost, you know, much more efficient. And your company is able to be more innovative just by moving onto cloud simply because there's the different tech infrastructure between on-prem and what the cloud servers offer. So as more companies move out, um, spending will increase. Yeah, I, I got a lot to say about that. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <clears throat> a lot of horrendous experience working with companies that are still predominantly on-prem. It's like, wow, everything blocked. All the softwares that I want to use with them, it's like, oh, blocked, cannot. Oh, firewall. I was like, ah. Yeah. So, so when, when people talk about this, right, when people keep saying on-prem, because I have my fair share of interaction with companies like this also, when they say on-prem is safer, I, I don't think they really understand how security work. I mean, if on-prem is really that secure, then, you know, like the details of certain leaders wouldn't be, you know, wouldn't be leaked, right? Uh, and, and the truth is when, oh, when sweat, it's sweat. on... Okay, probably, probably cut, uh, cut, cut, cut this out. Cut yeah. this out. 
Yeah, okay lah, okay lah, can keep okay. lah. We, we, people know lah, people know. Yeah. We're, 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 okay, okay, guys, let's be clear. Uh, let's be clear. We're not speculating. It's already out there. It's in the media market. People know what happened. Okay. If you know, you know. You don't know. Just have a good laugh with us. Okay. Yeah. Chichi, yeah. Continue, please. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But so, so, yeah. On-prem doesn't mean more secure. Yeah, so the move to cloud will still be taking place like, because a lot of the companies are still having presence on-prem. So I, I see at least some of these organizations adopting a hybrid model, like some on-prem and some on the cloud. We see that. Mm-mm-mm. In the cloud computing space, we see the rise of the hybrid cloud structure, right? Where some of the so-called very, very, very important stuff all localized and then you know, all the operational stuff that are not as important, quote-unquote, not as important, they, they all go into the cloud. Okay, fair, fair, interesting. Okay, good. So then when we're trying to look at CrowdStrike as a company, you know, because I think for a lot of people listening in, they'll also be like, ah, it's like a product, you know, it's like, it's, it's a software pack essentially, right? So it's a software pack for defense, okay, to, to just put it very simple. And uh, they will keep creating new softwares to keep fighting new things, right? So what are some of the modes that they are currently at, you know, uh, compared to all these other guys that are in this space? And also what are some of the risk factors that we should be aware of when uh, potentially exploring this company? I think it's more, yeah, so I, I wouldn't call them having the next generation technology a mode, but um, the mode that really comes up from it is switching costs. Because usually when a cybersecurity software is working well as intended, customers usually are reluctant to switch. CrowdStrike currently is the most expensive cybersecurity product in the market space and they're still lending more contracts than any other companies out there. So it, it just proved that they have a very strong branding and their existing customers are able to see value in their product, which is why they are not switching, right? Their churn is just in a low single digit percentage. Um, not many people are leaving the platform. So mission critical product, good branding. And, you know, with the thread graph, which gets strongest as more consumers are being onboarded, right? There's just this network effect as well. So largely branding, switching costs and network effect. Nice. Cash position is very good. Close to $2 billion. Wow. Okay. Very, very healthy company, I would say, you know, at, at this point in time. Yeah. And you want to say something? I would say the biggest risk, I mean, one is technological disruption, right? The second thing is valuation because everybody knows this is a very good company. Like the, the whole Wall Street already know. So valuation <laughs> even after... The whole Wall Street already know. So everybody priced in already. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's priced in for a very, very rosy outlook. Doesn't mean that they won't outperform and continue to do better, right? But the market is pricing in hyper growth for quite some period. So in other words, as an investor, if you go in at today's price, then be prepared for a choppy ride if something happens. Yeah, it's going to be volatile. I mean, so when we, when we look at Microsoft, right, great company, but during the 2010 decade, right, it went nowhere for 10 years, <laughs> right? The company, every single metric is doing better, getting more users, becoming more profitable, but the share price went nowhere. And that's because a lot of folks paid a really, really high price for Microsoft in the early 2000s. Yeah, I think it's the early 2000s. And so for 10 years, you suffer. But if you help for two decades, you actually will still make a very respectable returns of 11% per year. You know, mm-hmm. But that emotional ride up and down for that two decades, it's not easy to stomach. Definitely not easy, easy to stomach. Fair, fair, fair. Good, good to know, yes. And you rightly point out about the technological shift. 
you know, as with any other tech platforms, if there's a seismic shift in the whole market, let me say that, like whole new operating software, whole new operating structure, and that will fundamentally change everybody that's building on top of that, right? So are you seeing that risk currently with CrowdStrike? Um, currently, not yet. In the VC space, they are pouring millions and millions of dollars into that space. So, I mean, I'm constantly tracking that space. But as of now, there's no significant disruptor as of yet. They are pouring a lot of money into machine learning um, when it comes to cybersecurity. But a lot of these products are still at the very, very early age. I mean, there's no telling whether CrowdStrike will come up with these products on their own, right? Because this CEO is extremely competitive. And, you know, he's one of the leading experts in the industry. So it's, it's something I'm constantly monitoring. Yeah, yeah. And I think with their current cash position, they can acquire also if they want to. Yes. <laughs> right. They so they can also can. participate in that race, you know, of right. like, oh, you're growing, I buy you. Series E also never mind, you exit into my ecosystem and then we deploy. Right. right. So I think they have that effect. And for a lot of people that are listening in, that if you want to have a better idea of, you know, software as a company or you know, software as a business, I think you must really understand also the earlier part, the pre-listing stuff, you know, which is where the VC plays, is where all these, because when you look at some of those things, you will know the future, essentially, right? If you go to Rise Hong Kong to this year, five years later, right, the biggest things will come up from there, right? So you will go to some of these convention, right? And you have insider understanding, right? So I think that's kind of something to be aware of. Okay, but um, in closing, do you have any last things that you want to share with us? Very dry company, uh, by the way. Yeah, this company <laughs> definitely not uh, easy to understand. Yeah, but if uh, listeners today want to get to know like how I do the valuation for this, you know, you can check out my website. I, I do have a membership whereby I break down this research report. And, you know, I, I really go in depth into the product offerings, um, what's their competitive advantages and the valuation model for this company. Nice. Yes. Um, like Thomas has said, it's not exactly the easiest company to understand. But to put it very, very, very simple, they sell software. Okay. And they sell, <laughs> they sell defensive software. Just to put it, put it very, very simple, right? And with that frame of mind, even though you may not understand the product in detail, at least with that frame of mind, it gives you the basis to start working through the business model. Right. Then after that, you can go and spend more effort to try to understand the product. Right. I think that's kind of where we are. For most people that are retail investors, yeah, they're trying to meddle in this space. Okay, so thank you for spending time with us today. Uh, we hope to have you on in you know, another company, some, some, something you know, very interesting for us. Thank you. Thanks. Hey, Coconut. So I hope you learned something useful today and definitely recognize that investing is a personal decision. We're not giving you any recommendations here, but I'm always happy to geek out with you about different interesting companies and trends for the future. This series has a lot more depth and terms, so if you have any questions for us, do join our community telegram group or DM us on our socials. Link is in the description. If you love us and want to help us grow, definitely share the podcast with your friends and on your socials. And to stay tuned with what is happening in the markets and in the TFC network, do sign up for our weekly newsletter at thefinancialcoconut.com. With that, I hope you have a great day ahead and may you improve to become a confident, insightful and disciplined investor, ultimately creating the life you love while managing your finances well. See ya next week.